Thank you for joining us on another week of Surviving Creativity. I'm your co-host, Corey Cassoni. I'm joined every week by Brad Geiger and Scott Kurtz. It's the show all about following your dreams, becoming your own boss, and surviving the process. This week, Archie Comics takes to Kickstarter. Some retailers are a little upset about it. Some even going so far as to call for a boycott of the comic publisher and all of their titles. In response to this, and due to low backer support, a week later, Archie Comics left Kickstarter. We thought we'd get a little perspective on that, so we asked comic retailer extraordinaire Patrick Brower of Challengers Comics and Conversation in Chicago, Illinois, to come on the show and talk to us a little bit about it. It's a great conversation. We get some really good insight. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another week of Surviving Creativity. I just had to change mine. Even. Oh, oh wow! You just sound <laughs> very different. Do I sound? Also, do I sound I'm delicious now? Switch out my microphone. Give me a second, fellas. Sure. Do I now sound amazing? Am yeah. I? Yes. Am I NPR, way better than I do. NPR level. Kiss my mouth. I'm the best. <laughs> Kiss my mouth. <laughs> Kiss my mouth. I did it. I did it. I did it. I take notes when we uh, do the show because it makes editing a lot easier. I'm just like, what do you write down, like times and stuff? Yeah, if something happens or if I if I hear something funny that I know I'm gonna have to take out later, that way I don't have to listen to the whole goddamn episode. And I can I can move quicker. <laughs> you know, so I, that's smart. That's Patrick, smart move. Patrick came in at 14 minutes. Ten minutes, we harass Scott about getting up. It's gonna turn into a running gag. That's why we can't. Ten minutes. <laughs> I talked about when I edit stuff out. Gotta right. Edit that out. <laughs> Got to edit out talking about editing things out. Got to edit edit the edits. No, I can't get the microphone to work. That's, Damn it! You know what? You sound you good. You sound great. What are you using? Oh, okay. I, just, I, just, I can't just hear fine. me. That's all. Oh, you don't need to hear you. I don't. I hear myself enough. Oh, I no, hear it. It's fine. All right. I got the microphone switched over. You sound good. Okay. I'll go with it. Hi, Patrick. Hey, guys. What's up? <laughs> have you... Welcome. Uh, have you listened to the show before? I realize, like, I... Uh, Patrick, I, I like... I like... Uh, you can just stop talking right there. Patrick, I like. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I came out of nowhere last night, kind of was like, hey, come on my show. And... And you graciously said yes, but I realized you've probably never heard us talk. Well, I'll be honest. I'm not a huge podcast guy. We do one at Challengers called Contest of Challengers, and we've been doing it for so long that uh, even this, the podcasts I used to listen to a couple years ago have just fallen off of, especially ones that are in my industry because I get enough of that during the actual work week, and I'm sure you mm. guys cover <laughs> way more than just that. But Comics were yeah, fun so until I, I worked uh, in I comics. I apologize. I have not listened before. 
It's fine. Uh, we there's no there's no secret. We've already started. You didn't even realize. No, I, I assumed. <laughs> I assumed. Uh, so Patrick is joining us from Chicagoland, uh, where he's one of the two co-owners, right, of uh, Challengers Comics yes. and Conversation. Uh, one of my three favorite comic shops in America, by the way. Wow. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. Challengers. Um, I remember when you guys first started, and and uh, I remember when you um, when you fired up. It was a few years ago. I was working at Oni, and the thing that caught me about your store was it's called and it's in the it's in the name. It's Challengers Comics and Conversation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, we're not a game store. We're not a, a toy store, and we just want people to know right off the bat. You can talk about the really nerdy stuff that you may be afraid to talk about. A lot of people don't seem to have other people in their lives that share their interests and what's the point of loving something so deeply and not being able to talk to others about it that's so I cool love it. it's so cool and it's so smart and there's I don't think there's anything wrong with a comic store that's also a game store because there's lots of those and they're great and uh, or, you know or, or a toy store my, one of my other um, favorite comic shops in America is Austin Books uh, in Austin, Texas, and they're oh man, that place is huge. Yeah, right. They're giant, and it's like they've they've got like all the nerdy toys and comics, and I mean they've got like everything, right? But like, you guys are kind of a smallest shop in in you're just outside of Chicago, right? You're not in Chicago proper. No, we're we're no we're in Chicago proper. Yes. Oh, awesome! I didn't realize. Yeah. Yep. We're I on the north side of Chicago. Didn't realize that was still Chicago. Up in yeah, North yeah. Chicago, it, it's it goes. It's still it's Chicago for way further than where we are. Well, you can't tell, but I was gesturing forward with my hands. So <laughs> really far forward that is. Well, we wanted you on the show because uh, we're talking about Archie Comics this week, and everybody's freaking out about Archie Comics. And uh, I, right. I, I want, uh, I want us to discuss it. And usually, right. since you haven't heard it before, usually the way this works is we all yell at each other uh, and don't really come to a consensus on anything. Shut up, Corey! See? It's already started. Uh, so to catch people up, um, Archie Comics, who makes Archie, uh, in addition to uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog comics and the Mega Man comics, but for the most part, uh, the Archie comics, the Archie Universe comics, uh, which are which are many, believe it or not, they decided to do a Kickstarter, and uh, they're kickstarting a new like Archie number one and two additional comics, uh, a Jughead comic and I believe a Betty and Veronica comic, and they're trying to bring in some new talent. They're asking for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and within a day, I like how you casually drop it, and they're asking for three hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> I, 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 it seems it seems like a it seems like a lot to me, but uh, yeah, it seems a little high. Um, what but, did Fanagraphics ask for? Also, something very high. <laughs> Let me go look. Uh two hundred thousand is that is that right? A drop in the bucket. <laughs> the amazing work that Fanagraphics puts out. Good lord. At least Fantagraphics <laughs> was coming at it from, hey, this is our next full year's worth of publishing. True. Sure. They did it they did it as like uh I'm I'm just going to look at it now. Uh what was it? Twenty fourteen spring season? Yeah, they did it as a we're good this is all the books we're gonna publish. This is the, this is what we need to publish these books. They and they got two hundred and twenty two thousand dollars. And some but they were asking for 150, right? I, you know, I don't remember. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it at the same time you are. It's, so it was 150,000 goal, and they made 222k, which is pretty pretty darn good. Sure. What a uh, are you, before we jump into this, Patrick? It's important to note that a lot of retailers have come out uh, pretty cranky about this. They're a little cranky. Wait, wait what? Retailers are up in arms about something it's, in the comics industry. It's insane. I know. There's oh, such man. a there's such a laid back group of individuals. I would never ever have bet on that. They're never mad about anything ever. No, They're we so... are the most peace loving and <laughs> universally relaxed. So group supportive. Of reach of a uh, of, uh, of comic uh, any type of salesman in in the world. I would say it's true. It's true. So supportive of all the creators and the companies making comics. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Whoa. They got it's a little dark. mad. Some retailers got a little mad. And I, the reason they got mad was because they say that uh, basically uh, Archie Comics is cutting them out of the loop. They're selling directly by doing this Kickstarter. They're selling directly to the user base, directly to the fans. And uh, and they're very mad about it. They're very upset that they're not relying on the retailers to to get this done. Wow. What is the rule of profanity on this show? Fucking <laughs> I don't fuck think it. We've got we don't drop them there. bombs. <laughs> drop them. All right. Because that's a bunch of fucking horseshit. Yay! All right. See, oh I didn't know God. where you were gonna come down on this, Patrick. So I'm, I'm actually. I know. I deliberately kept my opinion away from you all, all last night. You did. <laughs> you did a very good because you know I, I, I wanted to get some people I respect on the show, and I, I honestly had no idea how you're gonna come down on this. Wait, then why are Brad and Scott here? <laughs> we got grandfathered in. I mean, that's a good question. They're always here. I can't. I couldn't get rid of them. I wanted to. It's, it's only 7.30 here we, on the West Coast. We keep rolling the start time of the show back, and Scott keeps showing up. <laughs> oh, I foolishly thought you were trying to accommodate my schedule, but I see the real reason. Sorry, Scott. It's better you hear this way. <laughs> I know. Listen. Tell me why it's horseshit, Patrick. Uh, all right. I'm just, I, I don't have a structured reasoning, but I've got a bunch of different thoughts I'll try to cram together. Uh, first of all, anybody that wants to do a Kickstarter project, go for it, man. I mean, if you want to raise money for whatever you're doing, do it. But the people that fund Kickstarters, for the most part, aren't the same people that are going to buy these things in the store. Also, it's not as if all these retailers fully stock Archie's line as it is. And and I, I grant you that we're more likely to find retailers that are going to carry all of these books because of the creators who have a, a heavier comic background than their previous works. Sure. They're relaunching but, with Mark Wade and Fiona Staples for Archie number one. They're talking about Chip Zdarsky, Adam Hughes. I mean, there's a lot of names that they're chucking around right now for these relaunch well, comics. Especially a lot of current names. Right, I right, mean, right. if you were to do this two years ago, uh, Chip Zdarsky, who is an amazing talent, wouldn't have the name draw that he has now. And Fiona Staples would still be that girl that's starting to do Saga, even though her work before that was wonderful. It just wasn't very widely recognized. Mm -hmm. So doing it now, these people have huge fan bases, and it, it's a great idea. But Kickstarter, it's like 
it's like digital comics. The people that are getting these things aren't going to buy them from your store anyway. And if they choose to support it in a way that makes them feel better, that's great. So many times, uh, our, our Kickstarter success ratio at Challengers is terrible. When we find a new project and we support it and we get, say, 10 graphic novels stock for the shelf, more often than not, we can't sell those 10 graphic novels. But really? it's still, yeah, but I mean, it, it's because a lot of it is unheard of creators and, and mm. unheard of properties. And because there's no, I don't know, diamond or previews buzz, if that's a thing that people care about anymore, and because a lot of this is stuff they wouldn't have heard of, they only have us to um, rely on as far as saying, oh, take a shot at this. And a lot of the times we can't even vouch for the quality of a book. We just think, hey, why not? Let's give that a try. Let's do it. Or I get suckered in often by seeing what other people have backed, and I get emails from all of my Kickstarter friends that'll say, you know, so-and-so backed this project, and I'll go, oh, what is that project? Let me take a look at it. And I think, oh, I'll try that for the store. But, you know, it's it's a crapshoot, and it, it so happens that most of the retailer levels for Kickstarter are higher, much higher than what we would order if we were ordering these through Diamond or a different distributor. So that that's part of it. And, you know, you can't necessarily gauge quality until you have it, but that doesn't mean we'll stop trying. What's your average? Uh, what's your average order on a comic on any sort of any given comic? I know there's probably going to be a huge disparity, but let's say a non-big two, non-Marvel, non-DC. If it's something we've never heard of before and, and uh, want to give it a shot, but don't know anybody involved, we'll start with five. If it's got a creator that we know, uh, we will go um, up to twenty-five, and this is without having pre-orders or without really having tested it in the marketplace before. So, so five to twenty-five. So over overall, I mean, I mean, pretty low. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's a risk, and, and if we sell three of those five, we still had to eat those two. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know that 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 actually is a little high for a lot of retailers. When I was when I again when I was working at Oni, it was it was a fight for any of our comics at Oni to get a retailer to order five. I mean, really hard especially on a new book and we would you know send them copies and we would do a lot of stuff to try and like look see if this is a book your fans would be into um, but you know we weren't the only people doing that there's every every comic coming out that month has had somebody like me doing the exact same thing you'd be surprised how few companies actually have somebody like you doing that kind of oh, thing that's, nowadays that's depressing mm-hmm. don't tell me that <laughs> <laughs> So now, I, I was taking a look at this the other night, and uh, this kind of uh, raised my eyebrows. Did you guys uh, see what Mark Wade was saying about the former owners of Archie Comics? And no, so, I did not see that. Does that change how you think about it? Uh, according to uh, 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 Mark Wade, and and he says it, from his who's opinion, writing one of the new Archie books, right? Yes. Well, the main yes, book. Take that into account. From his point of view, he says the damage done to that company by the former owners who line their pockets rather than put anything back into the business is just horrifying. And in his opinion, that's one of the reasons that Archie uh, Comics has to turn to Kickstarter is because the former owners, it sounds like, uh, it, it, uh, uh, allegedly uh, ran the company uh, quite low. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think it's a good way to get out in front of it and by having one of the creators say it, because if John Goldwater would have brought that up in his video, I would have thought, oh, yeah, boo-hoo, whatever. It, it would have mm-hmm. sounded more like a sales ploy. Um, I'm glad that they didn't discuss it like that in their actual video, and having Mark Wade say it kind of gives a little bit more credibility. And I mean, Gold, Goldwater is the current it. owner of Archer. Was it, he, he's like the EIC. Is he the owner as well? I want to say he's the owner, yeah. But I'm not known for getting business facts correct. My accountant will verify that. <laughs> and while we do respect Mark Wade as a comic book historian, I don't necessarily know that his business acumen is um, up to that same level, but I don't see why it wouldn't be. And sure. I don't think that he would say stuff like that without it being true. So, yeah, now that I know that, I mean, I, I do feel bad for the company, but, man, I tell you, a lot of really good companies go out of business and a lot of bad companies stick around, so it's it can't be a deciding factor in whether or not somebody supports the book. Mm-hmm. The thing that boggles me about this is I've been digging through past sales numbers, um, which eventually get posted, just looking at anything that Archie publishes. And every month they've got... Three to five comics, usually a Mega Man or a Sonic comic, that's selling about 8,000 copies, okay? Um, and if you're new to to the comic industry or to any kind of selling, uh, this is really important if you're, if you're a creator or an aspiring creator. If someone is buying something from a wholesale distributor as, as the creator, assuming you're the sole creator and publisher, you're going to get about 40% of that cover price. So... You know, they're getting uh, not big, these are not big dollars, right? They're not, they're, it's not chump change, but they're not making buku bucks every month. Um, and also, they're, they're two, those, those biggest selling titles are also licensed properties, so they have a, a higher price point to be produced in the first place. Yeah, and they're going to have to be paying, yeah, so they're going to have to be paying a license. They're probably paying a percentage to the licensor as well. And then just looking at their Archie comics, I mean, um, you know, we're looking at uh, here's a number seven of Afterlife with Archie that sold about twenty seven thousand copies. It looked like uh, a number one that they had done in the Archie universe, which was a Sabrina, sold about forty five thousand copies. So, um, you know, these aren't terrible numbers, but they're also not super great. The t- top selling comics. But you're only just... looking at the direct market numbers. You're not taking into right. account yeah, exactly. what they're selling of their digests in grocery stores. And I mean, because sure. Archie is Archie's one of the few companies that still does business outside of the direct market in and does well. And that's that's kind of what I was getting to. And that's where I think this Kickstarter came from. And and Goldwater had put out a letter and he and he said in his letter that they have this opportunity to put Archie in um, Targets and Walmarts. And my immediate first thought That's was, and ding 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 yeah. that's what has retailers, some retailers up in arms. Well, not not just that, but that's why he needs the Kickstarter. You don't just get into uh, Explain this to our listeners, because you were talking to me about front of store one time. Sure. So, so when you walk into a Barnes and Noble, and there's a table, if there's any Barnes the and Noble left, and you're walking into one, right? If you find a time machine <laughs> and you don't you use it in to time. make out with Linda Carter circa 1977, well, I, I tell you what, instead <laughs> go to a Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Like a sucker. We can even <laughs> like the I mean, that you are. We can even make this digital because it's it's still happening today with with Amazon. But we'll you know we'll go ahead and use a physical a physical bookstore because that's what we're talking about. So if you were to walk into a Barnes and Noble, 
uh, or, or a Target or a Walmart for that matter. The front of house stuff, the stuff that's up front, any kind of table with a display on it or anything like that, like you, you know, most people assume that it's like, well, somebody who works here really likes that title and that's why it's up there. And, and in fact, the publisher is paying a fee to have that placement. Uh, and and usually it's it's a it's an advertising deal, a marketing deal where the the seller, uh, be it a bookstore or a Target or Walmart or whatever, has agreed to order X number of copies of fill in the blank and to give it a certain placement. And the publisher has agreed to pay fees to have it placed there. And what they're doing, it's not as crazy as it sounds. What they're doing is that the publisher is taking the risk that they're going to sell a lot more copies up front because they are going to sell a lot more copies up front. And the, you know, the retailer is taking the risk of buying so many copies. Uh, Obviously, a lot of those are returnable, but usually the deal includes like a, you can only return so many of these things, right? So um, that, that happens a lot. And it was... Honestly, when I was in uh, the comic industry selling at Oni, it was something that I wanted uh, comic book stores to do. I wanted retailers to do deals like that with me, especially mm-hmm. on comic books, which are non-returnable because it's because the covers are, you know, they're called floppy comics. They're these magazine covers. They'd get totally destroyed if you ship them back and forth. You can really only ship them once and then it's pretty much yeah. done. And even then, and I think, Patrick, you could probably confirm a lot of that's going to get destroyed coming in like what what kind of loss do you guys see on comics you get some some pretty big destruction there yeah lately there's been a lot of issues with our primary distributor with the quality control of the way the books are are received by us right but we, we work through it um we would actively work with a publisher that has a a loyalty program like that i don't know if loyalty is the right word for it but we would we would talk to people about putting front of of store displays for publishers but sure. i don't think that it would get the same kind of reaction in comic shops a because they're so small most of the time and the front of the store isn't that far from the back of the store right and uh b i just don't know that it, that it would work but we'd we'd happily try it comic shops tend to be built i will call you after the show yeah <laughs> well so i think that's what's happening here with archie i, th- I think what's happening is he has an opportunity uh it's Goldwater, right? Gold? Gold? Yeah. Yeah, Goldwater. Yep. He has an opportunity to get comics into, not just into to Target and Walmart, which means he's going to have to print a significant number more than he would have normally. Yeah, so, way more than he's currently printing. I yeah, mean, if you look absolutely. at the number of Walmarts and Target stores and figure each store gets, what, three to five copies per digest, that's, uh, I don't know, a thousand times more than they normally publish. Right, so he's going to have to be pumping out a lot more comics first of all he they say in the kickstarter the re, the reason they're doing the kickstarter is because they want to have not just archie number one and then slowly put out jughead and then slowly put out betty and veronica but they want to put them all out at once so that's an increased cost and i honestly think that he's probably paying target and walmart to do some placement so there's a cost there as well so uh I, you know to me a kickstarter makes sense you got to get you got to get the inflow of cash if you think the the fans are there and they're going to do some purchasing. You, you're going to reach, like you said earlier, Patrick, you're going to reach a totally different user base uh, than you would anyway selling on Kickstarter. And t- to be honest, they're off to a, pr- considering the amount of press it's gotten, they're off to a really slow start uh, for a Kickstarter. Yeah, most Kickstarters, it's the first couple of days or the last couple of days where all the yes. real money comes in. Yeah, your first 72 hours are really important and they are not 
performing super great right now. <laughs> I feel like they would have done a better job if they would have asked for less money and just for the main Archie book and then put the other two books as stretch goals. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, it's, Kickstarter is such an, an odd beast. If they didn't, if they didn't, also like who's gonna, who's gonna back a Kickstarter for an Archie comic? I mean, no offense, but <laughs> really, like, what? Well, but it does. The thing is, you say that, but when I had an app with Iverse, are they still around? <laughs> I don't know if Iverse I is still around. I went looking for them not the uh, not too long ago. I know, I, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, somebody or something. They got bought out. They're they're not around anymore. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Go ahead. Go they ahead. were like the numbers they were giving me on Archie yeah. was nuts. Was insane. They're a digital. Yeah. They're a digital monster. That is true. Archie Comics crush digitally. I, it's an easy go to, right? It's got it's got generational appeal, and like if you're a parent, you want to get your kid into a comic. It's an easy buy. You know but what, what you're I'm getting. saying is, what kind of business must they be doing? When any mom that is going through a grocery store, I mean, it's the only comic you can still find in at a, a checkout store. counter. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of when I thought of the uh, Target and Walmart thing is that they're already really – I can't understand why retailers are this upset because uh, over the Target-Walmart thing because they're already doing this in grocery stores. But are they still? I mean, I don't know about where you guys are, but I've not seen an Archie in a grocery store in like a decade in the Chicago area. I'm going to be honest. I'm married, and I haven't been in a grocery store for <laughs> 20... No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. I think I we take that for granted. I, I think that most of the time, like I, I will see occasional racks of comics in the, our, our one existing Barnes & Noble, but I don't see them in Targets or Walmarts, and I certainly don't see comics in my, the grocery stores that I go to. I was it, joking. I go to grocery stores all the time. It um, might be a, And now I can't uh, think about whether I saw it last week. You know, it might be a regional thing. It could be uh, anywhere where there are comic shops or somewhere else where they're going to buy that. They might not be placing there. Um, well, so I guess the, the question I have, and because it's been... 2007 was was probably the last time I published a book through Image. So it's been a good seven to eight years since I've really had a book go through the direct market where I'm dealing with it, and it's not just Image selling off old stock. Um, so things a lot could have changed in seven years. But does Team Comics still exist? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even is. know what that is. So Oh you're talking you're talking about the Team Comics. <laughs> you're talking about the is, social media like retailers are like, come on everybody, we're team well, comics. It wasn't social media then, it was a couple retail message boards. But mm-hmm. Team Comics is the concept that we're all in this together, guys, and we have to keep the retailers afloat no matter what. And Team Comics is kind of what gets quoted when someone does something that, according to certain retailers, is going to harm the ecosystem. Um, the very first one was that I can remember is when Dave Sim decided he could make more money mail-ordering phone books, and mm-hmm. he, was, he was breaking the Team Comics rule um, because he was bypassing the retailers that had made him famous – 
and was only allowing the phone books of Cerebus to be sold by mail order because that's what worked for his business at the time. And so they boycotted him. They so he, he was him. selling directly instead of selling through the retailers, and they got mad and decided to just, just not order any of his comics at all. Right. So, and it was Team Comics was always quoted to me when um, it was always difficult for me because when I was doing. When I was doing PvP, my main business was online, and the comic business was a secondary business for me. So it's not that I didn't have skin in the game, but I certainly didn't have as much skin as other image creators. And when when I would go to San Diego or other conventions, um, the image creators that I ran into all had complaints that I didn't share because this was their primary way of making money, and if their book didn't do good, they could get really pissy about how image was doing things and i was you like that's yeah, that fine for me share, you know? that you didn't share what what are you supposed to be sharing like your reader base or i don't N- know what else no but like it was this thing where i was not very popular amongst some of the other image creators at the time the independent creators because they'd be like well image doesn't do any marketing and i'm like well that's your job and we'll dark horse markets. Right. Well, and you know, this, they don't and even have is... a marketing budget. What do you want them to do? Even if they spent ten thousand dollars to have a marketing budget to do what? Buy you an ad and diamond? What's that going to do for you? Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff was happening. It's but funny because not what, even not even five years ago, I used to hear that argument as well from creators. Right. And now but it's just was, accepted that I, a lot of the what, marketing. What happened happen is yourself. that I would say, okay, I have a new book coming out. I'm going to debut it at San Diego, mm-hmm. and everyone at Image in the upper um, management would say, hey, you have to be really hush-hush about that. If any <laughs> retailers find out you're debuting a book at a con before they have it, you might get blacklisted. Mm. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because you gave it, you sold it before they could have a chance to sell it. It's going to hurt their business. You moved all 50 copies of that book. And I'm like, well, I understand that, but I have to worry about my business yeah. first, don't I? And they're like, no, dude, we're all in this together, Team Comics. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Team Comics. Uh, what are you talking years, about? Over the years, we've been involved with uh, different organizations of collected retailers who we'd like to think have like minds and similar goals. And almost every single time, it turns into a not... How can we make it better for everybody? But hey, this is a problem I have, and I need this you guys to fix it for me. It's still a very singular uh, one for one and none for all kind of situation, even though there's a lot of public groups that make it seem otherwise. And most of the time, we like to be part of these groups just to see what's going on and to see how outraged people get. And the amount of time most retailers spend, being angry about things is time they could spend just trying to hand sell comics to people. Mm. Yeah, I I had a bad I had some bad experiences when I first started um, out in the retail comic business. I had um, I had a publisher of mine. I had a retailer come up to me to show with a stack of my graphic novels, and he just put them in front of me and said, "I need you to sign all of these." And I'm like, oh, wow, where did you get a stack of these? And he goes, well, I was at this show, and your old publisher said that you owed him money, and so I could buy these off of him for a dollar. (laughs) 
So go ahead and sign them. And it's like I remember I remember getting really upset. Yeah. It look, it was bad enough that uh, you know, there was obviously a, a miscommunication between me and someone that I'd done business with, but this is the Team Comics guy? Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, this this retailer in Dallas, and it, first of all, I know I had, was very associated with Zeus Comics. It was not Zeus Comics. They're amazing. Mm. Eisner winning comic store. Um, but this guy uh, was just so tickled. To be sticking it to me. <laughs> that he was going to buy him for a dollar, and you were going to sign him, and then he was going to mark him up. And he was going to mark him up. Above and this cover is guy, price and this sell is, him. This is the guy who yeah, um, Image wanted, tried to convince me to change the formatting of my book because, and I swear to fucking God, they didn't fit in his custom shells. Oh, <laughs> really? Yes. So that was the comics of old. Well, that's what I'm asking. Is I, it the comics of old? Because I I'd think love it was. For it to be the comics of old. I think it was. I saw it transition a little bit while I, while I was at Oni. I, I saw that go away. And the reason I saw it go away was because of new media. Like, I think that it was a mix of technology was changing, so retailers couldn't get away with that crap anymore. But also, people like Patrick and Dahl, who run Challengers, the, you know, the, the folks at Austin... Um, you know, floating world here in Portland. It, it's like comic retailers started appearing that weren't doing that stuff. They they were just running a business, right? Mm-hmm. And and there was a dramatic and then and then there became like the love for creator because of social media. People could get closer to these creators, and you saw, you know, people like uh, Mark Wade making, even though he had already made a name for himself doing. Uh, mainstream comics, but people could be doing an indie comic and make a big name for themselves and have a huge following and actually move some books. Um, a big trend that's happening right now is individual creators are putting together their own retailer mailing lists and sharing with us PDFs of upcoming books and um, any type of PR material. And literally, it's creators going directly to us, whether they have multiple publishers, like uh, Cullen Bunn does this, Matt Kent does this, and these are guys saying, hey, I know that you guys are on the front lines. Here's what I have coming up. You know, Basically putting out a regular um, email chain or um, links to Dropbox files or a Google Drive file, which is saying, this is what's coming up. Because seeing the product ahead of time is a, a really good indicator for us as how we're going to order. And... I, we really appreciate that the creators are reaching us before we place our orders and saying, hey, we're all in this together. So maybe this is the new Team Comics? Well, yeah, that sounds... I was told I couldn't do that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm as a matter here. of fact, I know that a lot of uh, Image um, gives uh, the email addresses of retailers to their creators because we get a lot of yeah, Image a creators changed. giving us... yeah. A lot really? changed. I guess I gotta so. figure out how I I gotta figure out how I can get those uh, emails. I would do that in a heartbeat if I get a hand on that uh, list. Is it too much though, Doll or, or Patrick? Is there some point where you're just receiving so many emails from so many creators? I mean, there there are thousands of books published every month. There are, but it's not as many creators doing it as you would think, and it's easy to, like, you can tell when it's a, a cold call, like, hey, you've never heard of me before, or when it's an established pro. Granted, each of those emails deserves the same amount of consideration from us, um, but it, it does, but I feel that's part of the job, man. I mean, I feel like that's, I owe it to my customer base to look through this stuff and say, hey, this may be a thing that you want. 
Mm-hmm. The worst thing that I can do to a customer is when they come in and say, do you have this book? And I say, I'm sorry we didn't carry that. That's or the worst I'll order thing. it for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll order um, you a copy. I hate that. But we can't order every single book, Obviously. so we totally have to pick and choose. Yeah. Um, but so it's up to to us, it's up to Dow and I and anyone who owns a comic store to do as much due diligence as possible to be able to make educated uh, sales guesses on these books. Is it just the two of you, Patrick? Yeah, it's just the two of us. And I mean, do... we do have, we've got employees, got but employees, we're, yeah. we're, the, we're the, uh, the guys who do the ordering and are at the store every day. When it comes to the ordering, and this is something I always I always found interesting and, and was was always wondering about. It seemed to me like very few stores had more than a person who was in charge of ordering, but they were also in charge of all this other stuff. So it was like uh, the only comparison I could make would be sort of the the record industry in the days when people, you know, when there still were shops to buy CDs and stuff. Um, I think comics in a way is pigeonholed because there's really only one distributor you can order from. I mean, there are a couple, absolutely, but there's really only one distro. So you have one book to look through. Whereas the music industry, every publisher has their own distribution. So you had like 20 or 30 um, ordering catalogs you had to go through every month to try and get an idea of what. So there was a guy in charge of ordering. Their whole job was just to like come in the shop, listen to music, CD samples from various companies and decide whether or not it was something they were going to order. It, it, is it, time or are there shops that have something like that where there's somebody that is their whole thing is to just read comics and place or place orders i don't know of any shop that has a single person whose job it is to order and is that just usually the poor owner doing it right well and usually usually doing it on the last possible final order cutoff day they're doing their we're lucky that there's two of us and we have a system where the day previews comes out i go through it with a sharpie and i mark off everything that i like and then dal will go through it as well and do the same and make notes based off of what i put in and then uh, I do wait until the very last minute to place my orders, but that's because I want to get as many pre-orders from customers as possible right, because right. that really, like, if, if there's a book that I didn't, I wasn't going to order and we get even one pre-order, I think, okay, that's something i got to have for the rack now. And then, um, so I do all the, the main ordering, but then Dal does all the final order cutoff ordering, so it's really a process that, that involves both of us uh, in greatly, and I think that... that definitely benefits us because there's plenty of times where one of us will find a book the other one didn't and it's a big hit or you know vice versa do you ever do you ever miss a title oh yeah that happens for sure yeah where something is just a a smash hit and you're like oh damn it we don't have that (laughs) yeah yep and there's there's just no way to get around that huh and of course by the time and most of the time and i this is a, a just a pet peeve of mine but it doesn't seem that Club subscribers, the people that have um, weekly pulls lists at the stores, really care about pre-ordering so much as post-ordering. Like, they care about adding Uh a book to their list the week that it comes out, still not having seen it, but not when our orders were due. Uh, And a book like Secret Wars is a perfect example. Like Secret Wars, we had maybe 12 or 13 pre-orders when the book actually came out, but now that it's been a week, we have almost 60 for it. In the span of a week, <laughs> wow. and these are people who are adding it before they've even read it. So if you if you want to add it now, why didn't you add it then when we could have adjusted our numbers better? You know. 
Yeah. But I mean that it's it's only going down. The number of people that pre-order things is only going down, and I'm that old man telling the comic subscribers to get off my lawn because I keep yelling about this, and it will never change. So I just have to accept it. So uh, as far as pre-orders with them always going down, what does that mean for you? Does that mean you're starting? You're going to start taking more risks, or yeah? So you're taking less chances, not more chances. And there's a level of um, people expecting us to be able to turn them onto the new thing or to recommend things. And uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. This week, Harrow County number one comes out from Dark Horse. And uh, it's written by Cullen Vaughn and it's drawn by Tyler Crook, two guys that we have great relationships with. And it's an amazing, amazing horror book. It's really probably the best thing both of them have done. And that's saying something. But our pre-order numbers are virtually non-existent because people don't know what a Harrow County is. And even though they recognize these names, Cullen Bunn especially has a lot of product out on a regular basis. So this is going to be a week of us telling everybody, no, man, you got to look at this. you got to at least flip through it. This is a great book. <laughs> That's my uh, next question to you as a retailer. And I know that this is a big part of your model, but is that, isn't, isn't that the thing that shops should be doing instead? And I, and I bring that up because uh, there's one of my favorite shops here in Portland is a shop called Floating World, uh, and it's run by this guy, Jason. And he um, gets these comics just just from everywhere. I mean, everywhere. He's ordering comics from uh, these distributors in, like, Scandinavia that you can't wow. get here. Because he's reading these comics and going, these are cool, and he's bringing them in. And then he's he's telling people, he, like, he has a firm understanding of his user base, and he's like, you got to read this mm-hmm. comic. Right. He knows everybody that's coming to the shop. It's not that he's not doing the the sales of the big two because he knows which people want X-Men or Batman or whatever. But he also knows that that guy would be really into this thing or that one girl that comes in would really like this bizarre comic about bears uh, living in the woods. You know, so like he's got that kind of understanding. Do, Do you feel like you have that with your with your uh, user base? And is that the future like the true future of the independent comic shop is instead of the pre-order is being like, look, we're just going to become the comic shop that has this stuff and people are going to have to come here to get it. Almost yeah, like actually, almost like it, specializing. It really is. I mean, if you take the diamond top 300 sales chart of every month and flip it, that's kind of what our sales charts are like. And as you just pointed out, we don't have to pitch an uncanny X-Men storyline to people. But we do have to say, you know, you should really look at Squirrel Girl. She's, it's a really great book. It's, it's <laughs> offbeat and fun, and you'll enjoy it. And while we can get, uh, you know, hundreds of copies of Secret Wars, we really have to push Kaiju Max and say, no, man, just look at this. Kaiju, you're going to love Kaiju Max. It's so great. But trust, at least flip through it. And oftentimes, not often, rarely, but occasionally, we will offer a money-back guarantee on a book and Kaiju Max is our most recent one because we, we love it and, you know, give it a shot. And if you hate it, bring it back. But, yeah, it's hand-selling is definitely the way of the future, but you can't hand-sell every book, so you totally right. have clearly, to pick your battles. clearly, clearly, yeah. Yeah, that's something that, that somebody said to me. Uh, God, I heard it years and years ago, and it stuck with me that for every high-tech revolution, there is a high-touch counter-revolution, and that sounds Ooh, an awful like that. lot like what you're doing. It's, 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 it's more community-based, It's more, but you've, but, it, but, but you've got to be a lot more tuned in. You can't just be lazy and, and sit back and, and order the Batmans and, and the Spider-Mans. You've got to actually care. You've, see, you've got to really care about comics to do what you're doing. 
I look at it as a interesting time in society, and I told Dal that around 2018, I, I'm thinking of maybe leaving the comics industry only because at that point I'll be 50, and I don't know that at that point I'll be comfortable being the guy saying to everybody, no, this is the cool new hip thing you've never heard about. Like, why should they take my opinion for it? But if it's still the case and if my if the books are still great and my passion is still there and people still will listen to me, like, I, I can't just put a, a time period on that. I just have to wait until... I don't feel it anymore, and right now, man, comics are probably the best they've ever been, and I yeah, totally feel it. I agree. Ah, it's interesting to me that you say that. That, that I, I mean, I, I understand the idea of like, you know, where you're getting older, you feel like you're getting irrelevant, and and them Tumblr kids are just doing something you don't get. But I I question your decision only because in every other art form, the longer you've been doing it the more well-respected you are. And for some yeah. reason, when it comes to pop entertainment, the older you get, the more people are like, well, I gotta know what you're talking about. Um, do they or do the we just the worry that means anything? See, that's what I, I, I think I agree with you, Scott. I think we worry that that's the reality, but I, I don't say, think that's actually the reality. Say, uh, you feel that way selling it. Imagine if you were creating it. <laughs> See, but I don't. I don't think yeah. that's the case. I think because, that... like, sometimes. I mean, look. I just finished a week of PvP where I made night court jokes, <laughs> <laughs> and good <clears throat> ones, by the way. I've been enjoying this week. Hey, yeah, thanks. Was... Thanks to Daredevil, there's a, a Daredevil night court mashup that's going around, so people are actually looking at night court again. <laughs> right, and honestly, because of PvP, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, it's that 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 trailer only exists because of PvP. We all know it. I yep. said, <laughs> I actually think a lot of people know Night Court. Um, I think stuff lasts a lot longer than you think, and retro is kind of a big deal now. So, but I was talking to <laughs> I was talking to Krahulik and I said, "Hey, uh, Control Alt Delete has a Kickstarter that's up to three hundred thousand dollars, three times three times as much as any Kickstarter I've ever had." So I feel very old and irrelevant right now. And he's like, "Oh man, did you have to tell me the number?" And I'm like, yeah, if you need me, I'll be on the porch in a rocking chair telling kids passing by how Man of Steel is not my Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it feels that way sometimes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it just feels like, God, am I? Should I still be making comics? But then you see someone like Stan, Sakai, and Sergio, Sergio. and it's like you never hear them, you never hear anyone go. Well, Usagi just turned thirty. Time to stop reading it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Raina Telgemeier is going anywhere. When <laughs> you know what I mean? Which yeah, Raina's not because she's young. But no, but I'm saying in in twenty years or so, I don't I don't think you're gonna hear the last of her. And and this is what I think is so weird too, because I feel like maybe this is an American thing. Like if you look at Western European comics, or you look at East Asian comics, um, the the older um, creators are still creating and still well-read. Do you see what I'm saying? I think yeah, that, I think I, that I maybe think it's a... I think that's all in our head. I think, I think it's, it's a fear. Yeah, I think it's an American thing. I think it's in our head. What we're saying, Patrick, is don't quit because you are going to well. understand comics better than, than the young kids that are coming in. Now, listen to the young kids when they tell you what's new <laughs> and hip and read it sure. and, then, and then scoff at here's, it. Here's what he's afraid of, right? He's afraid of being in story on Newsarama. 
where it's like beloved retailer died, and he's like, oh god, I'm gonna die in this store. <laughs> we we do have the benefit of Dal is a decade younger than I am, and our staff is a decade below him, so we do have a lot of generations covered. But as a guy who's you know on the floor 40 hours a week, I I still I never want to feel like people come in and just laugh like he doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's that's on me. I mean, that's in my head. So what do I know? I want to bring up something. Comics. Yeah, that's what comics. I, mean. <laughs> I want to bring up something that Brad said earlier too about the the touch cell. What did you say, Brad? The touch. Cell? The, for every high tech revolution, there's a high touch counter revolution. I think. What does that mean? Like vinyls coming back? Well, yeah, maybe. And, not I, that's not not true, but like for for every big thing that comes out that separates us, there's somebody that's kind of doing something that's more uh, that doesn't use technology that brings us together. Oh, I gotcha. You know what I mean? I think the equivalent, the comic equivalent, and the, and this is the thing I think that is going to replace the whole team comics thing to Scott, and it is already happening. Are um, these the some of the groups that are springing up like uh, Beware the Valkyries and that kind of stuff? This is a group of of um, female comic book shop retailers and employees who are getting together and going. Here's a book I read. This is awesome. Here's a book I read. This is awesome. Here's a book I read. This is awesome. Let's all agree to push these titles in our shops across the world, mm-hmm. and it's working. If you... And it's a great idea, and I'm a big fan of the Valkyries. We have three, I think maybe maybe more than that, at least three Valkyries on staff at Challengers. But I do have one small wish for that group is a lot of creators go to the Valkyries directly and give them PDFs of upcoming releases, but the Valkyries don't ever share that with the people that do the ordering at their stores. And a lot of times they're told they can't, but what's the point of like get get us excited too well that Let and that's and that's on the it. creators as well don't i agree yeah give it to everybody that's something i always thought was weird was um sending out uh copies of your book in advance why people are still so freaked out about that it's just, it's just this constant, like, it's going to be pirated. Nobody's someone's going to pirate it. Ah, shut up. <laughs> They're going to pirate it anyway. They're going to pirate it anyway. It's ridiculous. And so the- now my question is, and I and I real, I'm I'm not saying this to I, I I'm not saying this to put the Valkyries down because it's going to sound like I am, but I'm not. But what's the difference between that and Sad Puppies? I don't know what Sad Puppies is. Are you talking about the Hugo group? The Hugo yeah, group. Yeah, said- what you're talking about is very similar to what they were doing, right? No, one they is Jerry rigging a award, and one is winners. one is yeah. recommending comics. One is All one right. is they're recommending something. They're not like now if if they got together and said, "Hey, let's sweep the Harveys," you know, then it would be a then that would be a similar comparison. <laughs> right. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Let's form, <laughs> it can be done. Let's form a group to sweep the Harveys. Yeah, and look uh, you, you always, Scrooge but they, they just Scrooge got McDuck. done uh, uh, voting, or, or the, I think it closed now. Yeah, yeah the voting closed late. on Monday. That's we true. We did a good job. We told everyone about the Harveys. You know what? We'll put together a committee for next year to get Scrooge McDuck <laughs> in every category. <laughs> look, Gem Publishing already did a great job of that. <laughs> Many years in a row. So the next question. Surviving I've got... creativity, everybody. Thanks for coming on the show. 
<laughs> no, Brad, what's your next question? Uh, because I think I, I, I completely failed that last one. So I've got, I've got another one that's on my mind. And that is uh, the boycott. Do boycotts work anymore? Nope. I mean, the, the, the whole thing where the re retailers say they're not going to carry Archie except for people that are, are buying it for their pull lists, is this, does this affect Archie in the slightest? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Because they're not actually going to boycott it. Nope. No, because they have, to, they have to pay their bills at the end of every month. And, and if Archie's they'll lose business if they yes, boycott something. That's exactly right. what was on my mind. Because the reader's going to go somewhere else. Now, the readers could boycott. I think this is what retailers always forget. They can't boycott something. That's not their job. They're not the boycotters. Yeah. It's, the, it's the end user that gets to do the boycotting, not you, <laughs> retailer. Sorry. That's right. You're a facilitator. That's the other thing that I always used to get a, I used to get a bug up my ass about was that the, this idea that retailers were... were <sighs> How to say this without being a dick? That retailers were the important ones, <laughs> I guess. Do you know what I'm trying to say, Patrick? That it was like, oh yeah, absolutely. It's we're not. We are just the facilitator. And if we weren't there, the people that still wanted to read these comics would find a way to get them. I think right. I, is is. Go ahead, Scott. Is this the new norm? We should start publishing comics again. Well, this is yeah, not what I experienced. It is the new norm. I I, I hate to I say it's I was told by retailers that I was the reason their my comic was doing well. Oh, Scott, don't get me wrong. There's still about half the retailers that'll tell you that. Okay. Uh, but the other half won't, and hopefully that's the part that makes you happy. Okay. I, I have a funny I have a funny retailer story. I'm going to remove all the names. I had a I I had a number one coming out, a new book coming out. And I had a very large comic shop, one of the biggest comic shops in America, and I was trying to get him to order copies of this number one. And, and I had, uh, I mean, we had done everything. We sent them um, the the issue well in advance to give it a read. And not just the first one. I think we sent the first three. Patrick, you might be able to figure out what book this is based on what I'm saying. But we sent the first. I won't reveal any secrets. I, we, we sent the first <laughs> few copies, not just number one, because this was a book that we we were adamant was never going to miss a month because at the time that was a big deal or it was like a book came out and these books are supposed to be monthly and then it would be three months before you saw it again and and i believe that to date this comic has still not this comic is almost done it's about to wrap up and i believe it is still not missed a month uh since Six it launched gun. i don't know what you're talking about scott but we sent <laughs> several now I'll, tell you the, now I'll tell you the retailer uh, Johnny. <laughs> so we we sent the, I think the first two or three issues of this book in PDF to everybody. I even had some retailers complain that they could not read PDFs. So I'm not even kidding. And I sent them physical mm. copies. Um, wow. You know, I was going to make a joke that this is a couple years ago, so PDFs weren't as common yeah. at, at the time. It, and it was about um, it was about four years ago, and yeah, it was hard to get retailers to read a PDF. Really hard. It was hard to get reviewers to read a PDF. Some of the top comic review sites would not accept a PDF from me. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> This was just like, it was like four years ago, not that long ago. And I know comic reviewers, and I put that in air quotes, that won't <laughs> review a book unless they get a free copy of it. Yeah, And that's man. all they're in oh it for. Oh my God, is for what I they love get. you. Can I we love... be best friends now? Yes, did we, yes, just become, we can. Did we just become best friends? Do you want to go do karate in the garage? <laughs> I, I, know, I know you guys are in Portland, I'm in Chicago, but I feel something here. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
<laughs> I, I'm God. I'm tempted to come to C2E2 just to hang out. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. We don't even do C2E2 anymore, so I, I got plenty of time to hang out. So, <laughs> so I had this retailer, one of the largest shops in America, uh, and I was trying to convince him that he needed to buy, you know, order copies of his book. We had really been courting him. This is a big shop. We wanted him to, to bring it in pretty heavy. And he said, uh, and we were, I believe we were even going at the time, we were talking about having the creative team there for launch because I think we were launching this book on free comic book day. We had a free comic book. The first issue was a free comic book book. So everybody got it for free. And the second issue was the first issue that cost money. Nope. No idea what book it is. There's no clues uh, in this whatsoever. Yeah. It's, you could figure it out. It's not hard. And <laughs> the, I swear to God, the retailer said to me, um, yeah, we'll do this. We'll order this many copies of the free comic book day book. Remember, this is a book that everyone's getting for free, and it's very cheap for yeah. the retailers to buy yep. this book. Um, mm -hmm. They said, we'll have them out, but you'll pay their way. You'll put them up. Um, you know, we'll feed them. And I said, oh, thanks. And they said, but we need <laughs> you. I'm not even kidding. We need you to buy a billboard on the freeway. No. What? We need really? you to purchase a billboard promoting my shop on the, on the off-ramp of the freeway that comes to my store. Wow. And I was just like, why would I do that? And I said, hey, man, because, and it was the Team Comics argument. It was like, we're, you know, you got to support us. We, we're who was make. Wasn't the number of books they were going to order no. a good number? It okay. was not I, even. I didn't think so. Not even enough. And this is, that's, this is actually in the end, this is how I discovered Austin Books and Comics in Austin, Texas, was because... It was. So it was the other Austin retailer. <laughs> no, they weren't. <laughs> they were in Texas. They weren't the Austin retailer, but uh, pitchforks and torches <laughs> at the ready. They weren't in Austin, but um, because of that, because of that, I discovered my uh, one of my top three favorite comic shops in America, and that's Austin Books and Comics. And and it was because uh, this other retailer just and there are a lot of retailers that still in believe Austin. this. They weren't in Austin. There are a lot of retailers that still believe this that it's that it's. Uh, they honestly they weren't in Austin because there there are like two other amazing shops in Austin. Austin. See what happens when you get me up at seven thirty. No, Austin is shock full of good comic shops. Don't get mad at shops in Austin. Of of all the cities to get mad at shops, Austin is not the one. There's like four good comic shops in Austin. Um, <laughs> But this was a common theme I found, and and ultimately one of the reasons why I personally had to, to leave that end of the industry was because I just couldn't do it anymore, man. I couldn't handle these retailers telling me that it was my job as the publisher to sell their books. Like that mm -hmm. was what I kept getting over and over again. I, I got requests for, I'm not even kidding, um, TV commercials. They wanted me to buy, I had a retailer who wanted no. me to buy a TV commercial on their local broadcast because you know you Stop can buy it. commercials if locally. you would just give me a gold bar for every book you want me to sell <laughs> we're in business well one of us is in i had what else did i have i had buy a billboard i had buy a tv commercial local tv commercial um i man so many weird ones just so the requests were just insane i wanted i had retails that wanted returnability they wanted to send the floppies back that didn't sell uh, and I actually did something similar to that for a while where people could ship them back to Oni Press and we would we would then take those floppies to conventions. The ones that were still good, we would take to conventions and sell to conventions. So we would actually eat um, floppies and we'd give them like like wow. almost like trade credit. It was it it didn't work out at all because if 
retailers used it appropriately, it would be a really good program because then they could have they could order heavily, take a risk on a book, and if it didn't work out, send it back and have trade credit, and then they could buy a perennial seller from Oni Press, like you know Scott Pilgrim or you know any any number Courtney Crum or any number of graphic novels, right? Which it it worked sure. out. It was a good trade. Uh, the problem was within two months, ninety percent of the retailers were taking advantage of the system. What? <laughs> I that's no what come just, on just immediately like I ordering can't believe how dare you sir I what ordering crazy numbers of titles that it was there's no way they were gonna sell just to return them and then we and then you're setting up more rules and then it gets oh just God. gets worse and worse and worse and, then, and it was like even when we went out of our way to try and help retailers a vast majority of them were just destroying the system Wow. I don't think you could sum up retailing any better than that. <laughs> and uh, on that note, gentlemen, I've had a wonderful time, but it is new comic book day. and you got to go to the shop. Go Gosh, you got to so, go to the shop. Uh, That's awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I will come back anytime. This was a blast. Yeah, you're um, going to be our retailer correspondent from Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> And yeah. well, we've got Scott Patrick on the ground. You won't even have to get up at uh, at seven o'clock. Sorry for that. No, I will. Don't worry. Don't right. get me up. <laughs> All right. We'll get him up whether he wants to or not. Uh, Brad, Scott, thank you guys. Corey, thanks so much for having me Patrick, on. Patrick, thank you so uh, much. This was so much fun. You guys have a great day. And no matter what you're doing today, just remember, I'm out there in the trenches, on your side. Well, not your side, but everybody's the the comic fan side. Team Go by comics. Team comics. Yes. Yes. Team thanks, comics. guys. <laughs> bye bye. Patrick from Challengers Comics and Conversation. I love him he's, so much. He's fired. He's, he's really so good. Fired. Patrick and Dahl, <laughs> they they have one of the best shops. No joke. If you're in the Chicago land area, go go to <clears throat> Chicago. Go uh, go to Challengers. It's a great shop, man. It's such a good shop. I love that shop. it's got conversation in the name. That's so yeah. Smart. I remember when they opened. I, Patrick and Dahl. This is what they did when they opened. And this, if you're if you're interested in opening a comic shop, I think this is really smart. I met them Don't. first. I, <laughs> I met them first at a convention, and and before they had a shop. And here's what they did: they walked the floor and introduced themselves to all the publishers, and explained what they wanted to do with their shop. We, you know, we don't, we're not a game store. We're not a toy store. We want, we really want to be about comics and people talking about comics and people coming together about comics. And that was how I first met them. They came to me at a convention and introduced themselves, handed me a card and like, we're going to be opening at this time. If, you know, let us know if there's anything we can do. Not here's, let us know what you can do for us. They said, let us know if there's anything we can do. Let us know when you can build us a billboard. Right. Or you can buy a TV commercial. If you could just oh man, buy new shelving. I actually had this guy tell me. Actually, I found out about it from a message board that um, I was not supposed to be a part of. It's like, hey? this is a piece of shit. I can't stock it. I can't stock it. Because uh, PVP oh. used to uh, bind at the side. And so did Liberty Meadows. Yeah, I remember but I that. wasn't I wasn't a big name like Frank at the time. Yeah. And but I was local, so he wanted to stock the book, and he's like telling Image, he's like, we're getting some blowback from from retailers about it being down on the side, and I'm like, well, does Frank get it too? And they're like, well, you know, Frank, and I'm like, how many retailers? And they're like, it turns out it was one retailer, and I was like, well, can we? Is there something we can do? Like give him a special deal? And it's like, 
they told me the retail. I'm like, I know that guy. He's local. And it's like, yeah, that's the problem. He wants to sell your book because there's a local. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. I'm so upset. <laughs> like, I see the guy all the time, and he wouldn't. And it's not that he wants to come to me. And then it just turns out like it's a board where they vent, and it, it, he felt safe venting about it. I don't know, it's angry young Scott. Angry young Scott. <laughs> and so I think that Tavis is a real problem, and we got to do something about it. Well, <laughs> it, it's about time we finally uh, addressed that because I agree. I, I think the guy's a troublemaker. I think, I think he's. Uh, this I is the this is the second week Tavis in a row that Tavis he's has gonna walked be new in. Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and and, and I, I feel the guy just nipping at my heels like. Brad, I swear to God, the other day he made a pun and then went, (laughs) (laughs) I love how you couldn't resist the same laugh. Davis, what was the pun? I want to know what the pun was. No, he's just kidding. I'm making it up. (laughs) It's it's theater of the imagination, Corey. I did Uh, shave my beard, though. uh, What? Did you really? To, To look like Brad's. Oh, okay. Oh, do the, oh, you got the, you the, got the, the Van, Van Dyke, Dyke going? Tavis <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maiden in the studio. I, one of these, days, one of these the days, we should just set up, we should just stream the studio all day long, just as people come I'm in I'm fine with that. We used to do it all the time. But I mean, like, the just the whole day. Like, as soon as from the, the very beginning, there'll be, like, hours of just emptiness. Of just dead air. Because at some be point... Hours of me sitting here by myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to forget I was streaming, and then I would sing along to music, and then realize that everyone was just loving me singing along to music. That's how my readers found out I know all the words to Wild Wild West. <laughs> I wish Dylan was in here. I need, I need to know what color we're making this potbelly pig. <laughs> There's a potbelly pig? Being introduced in PvP today, yeah. Oh, my. I got to tell you, I tried to do the Night Court uh, characters in a strip uh, months ago. They are ridiculously hard to do, and you did a really good job with them. Oh, Okay, thank you. They're hard to draw, yeah. you mean? Yeah, they they were really hard for me to nail. Uh, but And caricature doesn't come real easy to me. Would you like to know caricature. my secret? What's your secret? Anytime you want to do a caricature of somebody, step one is type in the person's name and Al Hirschfield. <laughs> really? Yeah, that and then look, at, then look at how he did it, and then do a caricature of that. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I'm not kidding. Wow. Because because what happens is, or any caricature, just if, if you want to, like when I did the George Lucas caricature, I typed in George Lucas caricature because someone who's much better at this than me mm-hmm. has already figured out um, what features are important to exaggerate. And then I just do my own exaggeration of those features. You do a caricature of the caricature. That's pretty um, smart. Yeah. You're cheating. Sorry. That's what you're saying. You're cheating. Yeah. All art is cheating. It's true. I thought we went over this. Didn't we? Vamir did it all the time. We have a whole episode about it. Gosh, is there anything else you want to talk about? I feel like 
I don't know if there's anything else for... going on. I mean, Archie Kickstarter, yay. So what you, did we decide about that? Well, I, I, we didn't get into it too much because we were talking to Patrick about retailers, but I guess I just don't get what the problem is. This is a part, and, and I'll bring it into video games as well, too, because, uh, you know, there's a video game by the guy that created um, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, there's a Kickstarter for a new video game that he's doing because he couldn't get one going either. And it was like... People are, they genuinely get upset about this, and I don't understand why. They get upset um, when a company or like someone that they believe should. I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly why people get upset about it. Um, people have a weird, um, I think, I think most people, um, boy, my, my brain is swimming now. There's so many things I want to say. Um, about this. So, uh, Krahula just recently did a strip about the Avengers, Age of Ultron, and he had the definitive thing about this whole Joss Whedon uh, controversy. You know, like, people are very upset about what Joss did on Avengers, Age of Ultron. And Mike's, in the comic, Gabe says, nobody hates Avengers 2 more than Joss Whedon does. Mm. Because he's a creator, and he's not happy with it. The right. end. No one hates it. No one can hate it more than him. And um, and I said to him, God, that is just such a poignant, amazing, you know, take on that. And Mike said, Yeah, people who don't create will never understand. And I, it made me think about how many things that we as creators deal with that people just don't get. And it's not their fault um, because there's certain things. Even I, as a creator, just don't understand. Like, I, I always tell Kurt Nacker that I just what he does seems magic to me. Kurt Nacker is a is um, a composer. Sorry, he he's music. a composer. Like the idea of sitting down to compose something, and I and I said it leaving the second viewing of Age of Ultron. Like, how do you even start to make something like that? Like, where where does it begin? It's so huge. I know that Joss wrote it and he said it almost killed him making it. I can believe it. Like, it's just, it seems too big. It doesn't seem real. And I certainly don't know what goes into making it. So what ends up happening is that people just make these assumptions. And one of the assumptions they make is that if you have a... I mean, it's the reason why we like seeing our comic on the shelf, because it feels like this, oh, my God, it's real. Look, it's a comic on the shelf. That, mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to have one of these. This is what, this is what people who have million-dollar companies have. Well, no, you can have a comic on the shelf. It's really not that big of a deal. It just doesn't seem like it at first. So people get upset because the assumption in their brain is that Archie Comics is this million-dollar company. They see it at grocery stores. Why do they need a Kickstarter? Yeah. Kickstarter is for people who can't make things like Archie. And, and I think people um, also get pissy about it because Kickstarter is, um, you know – kind of like the democrat the democratization of it it's for the people who can't do it on their own and they don't like the idea of the big guys like this isn't for you why are you doing this you know well, I, I that's a great point but I but I took it one I, I I took a left when you took a right I think the reason people get upset is everything that you just got done saying but 
the uh, effect is is that it kind of pulls back the curtain and says that all these big companies that are so powerful and have so much money to throw around aren't powerful and don't have money to throw around and they're not doing a, a whole lot they're not doing great and but we need them to be great because who else is going to discover us who else is going to be that big monolith that uh, that we can latch on to and if they're not doing well what does that mean to us well, that's right? interesting I, I never thought about it that yeah. way that's interesting but I mean it's just I can't tell you the number of people that have that will come up and ask me questions about Mike and Jerry because they think I'm accessible about it and and everyone that comes up and asks me questions about them they think that they're multimillionaires living on a yacht like it's crazy mm. what they think can we buy a yacht we cannot buy it well I could buy a yacht if I fire you apparently <laughs> but like what if we and like you can sleep in what if we both sold our houses and moved <laughs> our entire families onto a yacht listen I'm just I, throwing that I out there went, I just went house uh, hunting with a friend who's going to move here. Yeah. And we briefly talked to a realtor about houseboats. Nope. Don't right. want it. You don't want it. There's Why a reason not? he was sleepless in Seattle, guys. <laughs> and it's because living on a boat ain't great. Are you sure? Because that place looked really nice. Apparently they changed the interior of it so much that um, it doesn't even look like the same place. So, boo. No, I... I I think, look, I had the same reaction to Kickstarter when it first came out. It was like, look, you're a professional. Find a way to make your comic. Don't put your hat out. Yeah. You know? You get people, people tend to get... You had kind of an old school vibe about it, though, too. Well, yeah, but... And you've, my you've mind changed about it, especially yeah. when someone said, there's no there's no way to take pre-orders anymore, and I said, PayPal, and they're like, no. Yeah. They ended that. Well, not it's only like, oh, I I felt like for me with Twitter it was like when it first came out I I I had a similar thought I was like don't put your hat out and then I got over that idea because it was dumb and then I then I saw people doing Kickstarters in certain ways and I went ah oh, they're poisoning the well like I immediately thought they're doing mm -hmm. Kickstarter wrong they're gonna ruin it for everybody right and then uh, I realized uh, from a friend of mine who I think said it, it was like there's no well to poison. It's not like there's a it's not like there's a limited number of of users who are potentially looking at Kickstarter, right? The the limited number is anyone who has internet access and a and a credit card. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you can do anything. You can do it any way. Now there are some techniques that are obviously like when it comes to Kickstarter some things that sell better than other things or some ways of setting up your Kickstarter that are going to do better than other ways, but yeah, there's no like, um, there's no, there's no, you did it wrong, or or no one's gonna back a Kickstarter after you do it that way. It's just not possible, and I think that's true for companies. I I I'll be interested to see when a big company does something like this because I think it's only a matter of time, right? Where, uh, and and I'll use the um the well, they already do all these video game companies well that, already do this. that's what i was going to say is it, but no big no big company has done it yet i i was going to use um Igarish, uh, i was going to use igasan's current kickstarter that he just started the other day um it, it's called bloodstained and it's basically like the spiritual successor to castlevania symphony of the night he basically went around uh to all of these huge game companies and said i want to make another game just like <coughs> um 
just like this Castlevania game, and they said there's no interest in 2.5D side-scrolling video games. So none of them would do it. Then he went down to the middle companies, and the middle companies said, we'd love to do it, but you know we all work with Konami, and none of us want to bite the hand that feeds. And then he went down to the smaller companies, and they said, yeah, we'll do it, but we don't have the capital, and you need to show us that there's some interest in this. So then he put up a Kickstarter, and overnight he's, I mean, it's, we're two days in, and he's like at $1.7 million with 22,000 backers. You know what I mean? Like, clearly there's an interest in this. But when is... When is that story actually going to be? He goes to Konami, and instead of them saying there's no interest in this, the company, a big multinational conglomerate corporation, says, let's try it as a Kickstarter. Like, when are big companies going to start thinking small? How how long do we have until that happens? <laughs> I, I don't think too much longer, because I think Scott's right. I think a lot of the, a lot of these larger and larger companies are are doing exactly that you can mitigate the risk right like you can you can take the risk away oh it's uh, it's it, absolutely it's what i was telling my entrepreneurship students it's like because we were talking about kickstarter and i'm like listen it, it, failing at kickstarter there's worse things that can happen uh for example sinking yeah, a like bunch of money into something yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah or sinking a lot of money into something that doesn't sell if you put something out on kickstarter and it doesn't sell that's free market research. You, you, you thank goodness that, that, that you can go back to the drawing board now and find out why it was that it didn't go over and put it, put it over the next time. But that's, that's free market research, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Well, and, and then sometimes, uh, who's the guy that did the cooler? He did it twice. And the first time it just, it bombed. And the second time it, it was huge. You know what I'm talking about? The no. movie? No, 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 no. It's a Kickstarter. It was a water cooler. Oh. Uh, I gotta find it now. I can't remember what it was called. It's gonna make me crazy. <laughs> it was. <laughs> he did a. He did essentially a water cooler, and it's got built into it like a battery and uh, a blender, and you know, like essentially, it's a it's a cooler you can take out and and use for whatever. Um. And nobody wanted it. He, he did this Kickstarter twice. The first time it completely bombed. And the second time it became one of the largest Kickstarters of all time. And, and wow. nothing was different. <laughs> <laughs> he just went, put it through the second time. It was just a different, wow. I, it was just a different time. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes some of this stuff is, it's just, throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. And there's not, there's not, there's nothing fancy about it. It just happens sometimes. It just happens. <laughs> uh, you know, there's no secret. Do it and see what comes out. Yeah, there's there's worse things than than failing at a Kickstarter, right? And 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 that's the main number one thing that you hear is like, oh, well, I don't want to put it out there and fail. Right. Well, let it fail, and then do it again. I mean, it's not that big and, a deal. And learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. Let it fail and then start it again with a lower, you know, with a lower cost if you can still make the numbers work. It's it's not complicated. Yeah. I think I think fear of failure is a is a big problem. Fail. Go fail, please. 
fail and but fail we again. We talked and fail about again. that on one of our shows, didn't we? Or I, I'm having a, a slight recollection. I mean, that we talked about it. It's that we've got this screwed up idea, a uh, screwed up approach to failure, where, yeah. where we're trying to avoid failure, and really that's the best way to learn is is to fail and then and then do that next step, which is to take it take back and take a step back and kind of objectively look at it and dissect it and then move on. Yeah. Well, listen, we should all go draw, or or in my case, look at a spreadsheet. I've been drawing. We know, we know, Scott. We we hear your pen on your tablet. I'm sorry, I can't not draw. I understand. It's fine. Are you guys mad at me? Is it ruining the show? No, no it's great. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. Ugh, it was nice to have Patrick on. I like Patrick. He was, really he was good. great. What a great guest. Thank you so much for joining us on Surviving Creativity. Special thanks to Patrick from Challengers Comics and Conversation in Chicago, Illinois, for coming on the show and giving us his insight and his feedback. If you like what you heard, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity where you can help support the show. Also remember you can find us now on iTunes. Just search Surviving Creativity on iTunes, add the show to your queue, and you will get updated every time we've got a new episode. Have a great one. We'll see you next week on Surviving Creativity.